The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast, so you won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. In a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. Hello, geeks, and welcome to another amazing, fantastic, wonderful, scary episode of Smack My Pitch Up. Tonight, we're going to be, in honor of Shark Week that just passed last week, we're going to be talking about one of the greatest shark movies of all time. We're not talking about Sharknado as much as I do enjoy those. We're not <laughs> talking about The Meg as much fun as that is. No, this is this is an actual classic. Or a three-headed shark attack. A three-headed shark attack. Or toxic shark. Toxic shark. Uh well, there's so many other there's shark sand movies. sharks. Uh, there, yeah, there's there's so hammerhead many. of the gods. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> there are so many shark movies out there, and most of them tend to be. Oh, uh, of course, D- D- uh, Deep Blue Sea. Yes, Deep Blue Sea for Deep sure, one hundred percent. And most of these films owe their existence to one single movie from 1975, one of the greatest horror movies of all time, and. A lot of the reason that it's so prolific is out of an accident. Uh, of course, we're talking about, not a big surprise, Jaws is what <laughs> we're talking about, the Steven Spielberg classic. Part of the reason why this movie is so tense and terrifying is because the mechanical shark they had, and most of you listening probably know a little bit of the backstory. It's kind of mythical at this point. The mechanical shark didn't really work the way they wanted it to on during the filming, and it was way past when it was due it was way over budget and they were having mm-hmm. problems with the mechanical shark and they decided right. to use some tricks including the music including like fins to, in the water to instead build tension. to build tension that a lot of the Genius. time you didn't see the shark the actual floating barrels that they shoot into jaws mm-hmm. that was all due to necessity to show where the shark was because they couldn't get the mechanical shark to work and it really works i yeah. mean all the underwater shots where it's a first person spur- perspective of the shark going up towards feet mm-hmm. it's really terrifying it gives you that like visceral feeling of something like, like of, it's going to come underneath you at that moment yeah and grab, pull you down a lot of that came from necessity because of the mechanical shark not working so it was just a matter of you know they say you know ingenuity breeds creativity is that or something the, i think it's necessity necessity breeds creativity yes mm-hmm and that is exactly what happened on the set of Jaws is that Spielberg was able to, uh, you know, think on his toes enough to really come up with ways to make it still work. And honestly, it wouldn't have been nearly as good, I think, if they got the shark to work in the first place. No, no, it probably cut the tension time in half. And it, yeah, it probably would have fallen apart. Like things, sometimes those things happen for a reason. Absolutely. And what we've been blessed with is now this like cinematic classic that everybody that I know that enjoys scary movies, of course, has a deep fondness for this movie, some of which has bred real genuine fears of the ocean yeah. <laughs> because of Jaws. 
Now uh, I'm one of them. Yeah, and with me tonight, somebody that is a little bit freaked out by the ocean. And, I am, and uh, the purveyor of smash talk and regular panelist on the GUI network shows. Uh, you can't get rid of me. The uh, the OG <laughs> Kyle, Mr. Kyle Smash. Yes. Hi. Yeah. Don't worry, I haven't punched any drywall in a while. Well, that means you're due. So I'm I'm gonna be looking after you leave to see if there's any holes in my wall. You do have a lot of pictures on the wall. I can hide that shit. Real quick. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like I don't think that picture was in this room, but you know, eh, that's fine. I just need to do it. <laughs> it's like a weird obsession. It's like a, a compulsion. It, it's a it's genetic. I think. Ah, yeah, absolutely. Once you're named Kyle, like it's written on the birth certificate. Like a drywall punching fairy shows up and just sprinkles you with <laughs> anger dust. Just black, gr- like gritty, and just coal like dust. Fairy shows up and like just sprinkles powdered monster energy drink on you. <laughs> and it seeps into your veins <laughs> and you lose your fucking mind. Your eyes start dilating and you, it's like the baby that turns into a White Walker in Game of Thrones. Yeah. All of a sudden your hearing is just crisp. You can hear from a mile away. <laughs> Would you say? I think that's crack, actually. I'm pretty sure that's what that does. Or cocaine. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, we are talking about Spielberg's classic Jaws. Uh, this is definitely one of those movies that we're not suggesting it should be remade at any po- point. Probably not. This is more just a fun mental exercise to figure kind of what we think would work as far as a remake goes. Mm-hmm. And for those unfamiliar with how Smash My Pitch Up works, basically, we look at rebooting, remaking, reimagining, sequelizing, sidequalizing, mashing up, and adapting different films, shows, books, or what have you, video games sometimes. <laughs> and we just kind of come up with a both a idea for a cast and director that we think might actually work, mm-hmm. and one that is just kind of a funny idea on a take on, on it that probably wouldn't work. Or definitely would work in one way, but would never, ever get made. Yeah. Yeah. And if it did, it's it's straight to video. That's basically anytime we cast Tarantino as the funny choice, yeah. it's something that I would 100% watch, but it will never get made. It's an unfunded YouTube video. <laughs> you only get them in 15 minute segments. Basically like Tarantino doing a Star Trek movie, which apparently is happening now, is one of those funny choice things that we would probably come up with. Like, yeah, Tarantino doing Star Trek. But it's a, that's actually happening. Yeah, I can't even wrap my head around that. As I know. A, as a matter of fact, quick side, uh, funny side note, him and Simon Pegg have issues where he has an issue with Simon Pegg because Simon Pegg went on and basically was just like, I'm more or less like, obviously maybe feeling a little butthurt, maybe, uh, about Quentin taking it over and uh, was just like, I don't, I don't, I mean, what is he going to curse through the whole thing? Or he said something along those lines, completely paraphrasing. And Quentin just came back, was just like, more or less like, oh, fuck you. Oh, wow. Are you going to, yeah. I don't, it's not a huge feud. It's not like they're not going to be on Twitter for the there next were just 30 days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I'll have to look into that after we're uh, done recording here. But for now, we're going to be talking about <clears throat> angry shark. Do, 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 Scatting shark. I'm the scat shark. I'm the scat shark. Anyway, so basically how this works, we will talk about kind of the plot on our versions and how it differs from the original plot line of the classic Peter Benchley written from the Peter Benchley novel. He also wrote the screenplay Mm -hmm. or partly wrote the screenplay. We're going to talk about how our version differs from the screenplay version of Jaws. 
Uh, if we try to pull anything from the book, if if we are familiar with the book. And oh, I am not. I, I'm pulling a little bit from the book. I have not read the book ever. I mean, I grew up in the movie. You know, I've seen it a million times. For me. I knew it was a book as I got older, but I just did never went back and read it. The book is great. Don't get me wrong. I do deeply enjoy the book. You can't possibly build but I think, the same fear and tension. Yeah, I think there are aspects of the movie that are just a little better than the book. Well, look, when you're dealing with something like that, it's visceral. It has to be visceral. It's cerebral. Like when you're reading it, imagining in your head you can probably come up with something pretty scary, but because you, you know yourself, your own fears, that sort of thing. But when you see it, that's something that has to be seen. Well, there are a couple things that are in the book that are definitely not in the movie that I think the movie choices were better. For example, Brody and Ellen, the, the main character and his wife, right. They're in a bad relationship. They bicker all the time. They're not happy. She's a former like New York socialite that just feels trapped. Uh, oh, where wow. they are, she ends up having an affair with Hooper in the book. Oh, damn. Yeah. And it's it's like a whole thing. And Hooper ends up dying in the uh, in the book during the big like showdown. There's there's some pretty big changes, but I think the movie just you need characters that you are rooting for. Yeah. And and I think that's one thing that uh, Spielberg said during the adaptation was that he was kind of rooting for the shark. <laughs> with the initial uh, adaptation and how the characters were. And he wanted something a little bit more likable out of the main characters so that right. you're wanting them to survive the shark attack. Yeah. It definitely doesn't seem Spielberg style to show shitty people, you know, as like, you know, being the, the at the forefront of things. Like you said, you, you're going to probably root for the shark. Well, if you look at all of most of his movies, I mean, he, uh, the underlining theme in all of them is like hope. Yeah. You know, it's hopeful. There's no way he doesn't. I mean, aside from obvious like war movies, but even then, sure. even even it's, then, it's somebody saving in, Private Ryan. There was still hope, and he got it home. You know, and what in I the mean? worst of it, you still find out that the human spirit can conquer everything. That's the yeah. yeah. That's 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 what it's all about for sure. Spielberg. At least you know for the uh, actually, I can't even say I can't even think of a movie where that doesn't. Apply. No, that's kind of his, his modus operandi is to <laughs> not well done. <laughs> yeah, is to really just yeah inspire hope. That's and, his moral codex. You know the the uh, resolve of the human spirit, yes. basically. So I I do like his changes. I think that they were smart choices, and ultimately, I think Jaws in itself. I don't really have any critiques on how they could have made that film better. There are none. So if you can, uh, you're an asshole. What I'm doing with this basically is more looking at with my director choices, and also with it being for me, I'm trying to set this in a modern day, mm-hmm. as opposed to in in the 70s. Yeah, and there are some big changes that happen with that. So that's something that's going to be considered while developing this plot as well as what kind of style fits the director and how does the story change with the timeline being different? For example, one big thing is the, was it the Indianapolis that sank that uh, Quint was on world war two and, and world war two. So Quint would be like a hundred if, (laughs) if he was a survivor of the Indianapolis in modern day. I didn't think about that when I was coming up with it. Well, you know what? I, I mm, well, we'll work on that. I'll yeah. work on that while you're talking. And that's the thing is that you know you have to put into consideration is like if you tell the Indianapolis story, but it's set in 2019, it's like so you're like a hundred years old. <laughs> you look really good for your age. It doesn't really well, you know, translate. It could apply now, but you could also just make up a ship that had a similar thing. It may not be delivering the bomb, but. That's true. You know, this is well, a we, mythical delivering story. Delivering the bomb to Russia. <laughs> yeah, right. 
the the mother of all bombs that the we mother dropped of on all Russia, bombs that on was Russia. like completely anticlimactic yeah. and everybody it was, it was World War Four yeah it was World War Four and it's a dystopian future Jaws movie <laughs> what which, happened to three it was fought on the internet yes <laughs> it was fought on four chan yeah four chan and Twitter four chan shark do 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 skip scap scap I promise we are okay, I actually am not going to promise that we won't do that the entire episode yeah that I, might I don't know about that actually happen. So for my big changes, I'm just going over kind of the general plot changes is that I am going to incorporate a little bit of rawness from the books into the story. Now for my real version, I'm not going to include the whole like, you know, relationship issues between the couple and the cheating and all that stuff. I feel like there's not enough time on screen to properly flesh that out. No. And it's a side plot that really doesn't need to, be, need to be focused on. So it's not that I'm against it being part of the filming. I just think it's going to detract from the main plot line too much. And unless you do a trilogy. Unless you do a trilogy. That's what we do these days. <laughs> you do a trilogy for the first Jaws movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> the first movie is just him, like, I don't know, drinking a little too much and being bored as the, like the, the, the dude. I don't even know if you call it Jaws. They just want to be real serious, but be like Jaw. Jaw. Jaws. And... Jaws is is <laughs> more Jaws is <laughs> it w- w- would be the underwater version of the Deathly Hollows. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, you brought some Harry Potter into <laughs> yeah, this. <right. laughs> the thing, the reason you know, know why it's Jaws is because just above his right eye is a little lightning bolt scar <laughs> he's got there. And he, he survived the, he survived <laughs> the attack from Voldemort. <laughs> it's Octomort. It's an <laughs> evil octopus that lives underwater. That's the, that's the sequel right there. He survived the attack from Birdie. Instead <laughs> <Right. laughs> of blowing his head off. <laughs> oh my God, can you do that? Just change the entire story where it's just completely mirroring Harry Potter, but Voldemort is Brody oh my and God. Harry Potter is Jaws. All right, we're done. Yeah, I don't I think, really know that we can top that. I think we have just won the... the, uh, the the podcasting world. Oh yeah. Yeah. 100%. I, <laughs> I, I certainly hope so. You could win anything with Harry Potter. Yeah. Harry Potter meets jaws. Yeah. yeah. 100 fucking percent. I am super in for this. <laughs> this rifle looks like, looks like a wand. <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing that I'm really going to kind of lean on with the plot overall that is in the book a little bit more and it translates a little bit in the movie, but they didn't really harp on it too much is that this area, it's a beach community and pretty much all the money they make, there's like 2000 people in this town. Yeah. All the money they make is within a few months of the summer when tourists come out. Mm-hmm. So really if they're to close the beaches, like people will be on welfare within six months. I mean, it's that's, that's the, the entire town will fall apart if they miss this summer. Yeah. So it's the well-being of everyone in this town if they shut down. So there's super pushback for them not to close the beaches. It's it's a desperation almost where they're clearly, even if there is a worry, it's like, no, it'll be fine because they have to believe that because their well-being is it. What's all that blood in the water? Nothing it's to see fun. here, folks. It's Go fun. get somebody, yourself a snow cone. Somebody spilled <laughs> yeah. ketchup. Yeah, we got hot dogs over here. Yeah. That's why you don't eat in the water. I know we sound like from like New York or like <laughs> yeah. Jersey Shore. That's the best I can do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I really want to kind of focus on the kind of the really tight budgets of the people in this town and that the summer is really where all of this happens. So as the beach closes for like a couple days after the, you know, after the first attack and stuff, and they're like really pressuring to open it back up. And there's a whole thing um, that's really pushing for Broda to be seen kind of as an enemy Mm -hmm. of the, uh, of the community when he's really pushing for the beaches to be closed. Right. And so the mayor kind of uses that to his advantage and kind of like touts like, I'll take care of this because I'm the mayor. Right. You know, and he's clearly ignoring 
all the information he's getting that's not being passed on to the general public, he's ignoring it because he wants to get the votes by keeping the beaches open. He's just not going to respond to his texts. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's another thing is technology. Yeah. In a modern day, you think if there's a shark attack, like a vicious shark attack, and there's like a great white in the water uh, off the East Coast, that there isn't going to be like Discovery Channel there. And like CNN. I I imagine uh, a drone uh, will definitely at some point like, you'll see a drone catch it from above like some fucking kid is flying his drone from yeah you know what i mean from the shore and just happens to catch a shark that's just big enough to take down an entire boat uh and you know get a scar blown into his head i'm gonna have a lot more fun with that concept on my funny take than Uh, on my serious take with with the uh the the drones and the and shark week and rob riggle is gonna be uh, just a new character in my uh in my funny (laughs) version but uh how are you changing your plot uh well for uh for the serious one um I kept it well I wouldn't say I kept it I didn't keep it in the same time frame necessarily but I didn't I I pushed it more towards the early 90s okay <clears throat> just uh just technology wise it was easier it, yeah. I, did, I did I I went through that in my head and I was like I don't got time for this shit no that's fair <laughs> I don't I just my, my brain hurt thinking about it I was like well f- I mean but then you wouldn't really have a movie I mean at the same th- you could but at the same time it would have to be like one really fucking smart shark like yeah like you ain't gonna catch you know like fucking flipping off uh you know whatever the case might be so mine is set in the 90s where it really doesn't matter what age you are and uh political is political so that definitely i didn't cast my um which i know we'll talk about later i didn't cast my mayor specifically okay um but i i saw it more as uh in mine in the small town it's in mine a non-funny one which is surprising is set in south carolina uh, which there have been attacks recently exactly okay uh, so that was that was mine uh and the plot is in it's more or less the same because any beach community you go to, they get majority of the money during the summer. There's really no way around that. That's sure. got to be integrate, integrated into the plot. <clears throat> Rather. So essentially it just, it starts out as, as any, you know, the summer's starting to pick up schools let out you see all the cars coming down into, you know, mm-hmm. right into South Carolina, maybe driving, you know, driving straight into Myrtle beach area. Sure. Uh, you know, the, everybody's, you know, they're getting the shit together, getting sunscreen on, you know, they're playing some Nirvana in the background and, you know, maybe some informer uh, on the left side of the hotel. <laughs> you got people shooping on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got one, you know, one hotel room playing, uh, you know, I touch myself or whatever the case. <laughs> yeah, this isn't, this isn't heavy handed at all. This is uh, this is very nuanced. Uh, introduction it's like to any any early 90s movie that you saw opening about, especially like summertime. It's always the same thing. It's the montage of the music playing. You know, you got these different clicks over here and clicks over there and kids fucking running across the street, like ready to get into the water and that's how it opens up just like any shitty <laughs> early 90s movie or you got that one guy that has like sunscreen like pure white on his, <laughs> on his nose on his nose which I, never happened in real life i never saw that in person ever there was never a person like you know what i'm gonna cake it on so hard that it looks like i'm wearing a fake nose yes that's how, <laughs> how caked on i'm doing it never Fucking never. I don't know why that was a trope in especially the 90s the, i don't like, know 80s and 90s, i, I, I can't say i've seen it you know, in recent days, I have seen it on older men, like much older. Maybe that was just a thing, like long time ago. And well, I, 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 in my mind, I went. They must have like carcinoma or something, um, or melanoma on their skin, on their nose, and they have to like cover it up really, really heavy. 
then why are they doing it in the 90s movies? There's like 22-year-old dudes <laughs> like wearing the like hyper-colored, yeah. you know. And I think only you only had like short, SBF short. 20 at the time. So yeah. it didn't really help. And there was probably lead in it. Yeah, he's got, well, that's why he wears a big hat. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bad hat, Harry. That, 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 give, that helps him with his big dick energy, too. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but that's somehow mine opens up. And, uh, and Sheriff Brody is more or less the for authority in that town so i like i said i didn't cast the mayor because in mine <clears throat> he didn't really have a place uh i want although birdie's birdie's main antagonist is going to be the shark um or I, in this one actually my serious one which is funny is that it's not just jaws it's jaws and his family you know right when they hunt they hunt together so this is like baby shark, mama shark, grandpa shark situation. Oh, yeah. On. Yeah. And the most vicious one's baby shark. Think of it like uh, the Incredibles, but they're sharks and no powers. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing but, like the Incredibles, <laughs> except they're, they're a family. That's except like the one, family. the one common thing. Like It's just like the Incredibles, except literally everything that makes the Incredibles different. All right, they're like married with children, but in the, in the water, they're just mean to everything around them. Like... Husband shark really doesn't want to fuck wife shark. Yeah, he's and, really sick and tired of you know selling um, shoes or fin shoes or whatever you, whatever the fuck you would sell in the water. Uh, we're going into the funny territory, yes, but that's yes. how that's how it would open up. Is that there's actually a small? I'm not sure if you still call it a school. If there's more than one in terms of like sharks, like more than two or three, like a school of fish. So it would sure. be it would be a family. So we're going to go with... Well, they're sharks, so it would be more like a juvie of sharks. <laughs> uh, like, not a school, like, for bad kids. <laughs> so, no, no. A juvie of sharks. Oh, God. That was that was a serious dad joke. Yeah, it was pretty bad. That was a good one, though. Yeah, that yeah. was good. Um, I'm proud of me. Essentially, uh, he is sheriff of the town, but he is, also, he is also out on the water a lot patrolling, especially along the coast in, in his area, because sure. that is where... Uh, and then, you know the politics only come into play when the first attack happens and he has to explain himself because he was the one on the water. He should have been able to stop it. So that's now how everybody's looking at him. It's not that he's trying to stop them from having fun. It's how can you stop this from happening? That's your job. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's how, that's the conflict for the character is, is, is oh, failure. Like I've got to make this right. Okay. Um, uh, and you know, his wife in there, you have your normal spats, but I didn't make that a real big thing into it. No, no, no. I, I felt like that the same. I didn't really think that that was necessary to really get the plot moving yeah, forward. But that's my character conflict uh, for the main character specifically is that he's got, he feels like, you know, he's, especially if he's a little older, not an old man, but you know, if he's getting a little on in age or, or not, he still feels like he has to redeem himself in the eyes of the people who came to relax, who came to enjoy this town, keep it breathing. Sure. And and so that's that's my main conflict for the for the main character. Okay. Now we usually start off with the casting by talking about directors because the directors usually kind of inform the tone of the movie, mm -hmm. and most directors kind of have their way of doing things. You know, so many directors have their specific tone, their kind of style that really just by watching the movie you go, oh, this is a so and so movie. Yeah. So. That really is kind of our jumping board into into Jaws is kind of who starts directing it. Now, uh, for my... And I'm just going to... Let's start with our serious, and then we can get into the funny after we do our serious. All right, sounds good. For my serious director, I went with a real auteur of film. 
with the considerations of Jaws being kind of this special little thing because they had to work around mechanical issues and mm -hmm. that's kind of what made it work. Right. I didn't want a director to go in and just try to mimic that because it's just going to end up like a less good version of Jaws. Yeah. If it tries to portray it in the same manner. So I wanted a director that knew how to play with ca camera angles, knew how to have his own kind of tone with it and could find ways to deliver that tension and that build up and that fear that you got in the original, but with his own style of doing it, you know, not just trying to imitate Spielberg. Cause I, I don't want a cheap knockoff. You know, let's, let's see this guy's vision, a director that is known for very long takes, single takes, uh, very, very cinematic uh, filmmaking, gritty at times, uh, oftentimes. I am a huge fan of this director, and I'd love to see what he'd do. Alfonso Cuaron, who did uh, Children of Men, yeah. E to Mama Tambien, uh, Gravity. Did he do Annihilation? No, he didn't do Annihilation. No. It does do seem like his style, though. But, but uh, yeah, Alfonso Cuaron, I think, if you look at some of the long takes in, um, in Children of Men, mm -hmm. they're dynamic i mean it really adds a really hurried like tense tone to the scenes where there's these long takes like the car attack scene where there's motorcycles coming after them and it's this one take with the camera going in and out of the car right in a single take and they had to actually cut parts of the car out and create a special rig to do that to get that kinetic like fast-paced movement like you're almost walking through it yourself or it's coming at you yeah directly so yeah. i think with that and also just the kind of non-gravity that happens in gravity <laughs> that, and and the, yeah. the real tension that you get from that you kind of put those skills in a underwater situation and you can really do something with it oh you yeah. really like with its own tone without trying to imitate spielberg and do it just like he did and so yeah i, th I think that he would be able to kind of bring his own his own really tense and really kinetic style to uh to jaws and really still make it scary yeah, and I could definitely see him filming that in in the same um, the same vein as Children of Men. I don't know why I could see that, but like you could see that, like you said, those those one shots where he just keeps going through the scene. Mm -hmm. You could see that going into the water. You know what I mean? Like yeah. going from shore into the water and make it one continuous sort of experience in that particular scene. I could definitely see that. And one thing that they did in Children of Men that I think could absolutely work. And you use it as part of the plot devices as well as when there was like blood splatter. Mm -hmm. It got on the lens. Yeah. It got on the lens in the film. So it felt like a, there was a cameraman just following around and you forgot about how ridiculous that would be pretty quickly into the film. But you could also use that for uh, underwater probes that they mm -hmm. have, you know, little mini subs and stuff, which are all things that exist now. You, know, yeah. you don't have to like make something up or drones in the air or just like handhelds that are there to film the whole process mm -hmm. different cameras from different angles and not necessarily even a found footage kind of approach professionally held cameras and drones that are very even you know you're going to get very cinematic scenes with these things that are being used to hunt for the shark and you have that mm -hmm. intercut between very cinematic moments in a this shot movie style and then these visceral like first person shots thrown in as well it's almost like a really uh a really well done video game in a sense you know where it will cut from the cinematic into, into the, the, the into scenes. bringing you into the cut sure. into the action so we're giving a video game if you ever played the nintendo jaws video game <laughs> it was deeply difficult <laughs> yeah 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 well, actually that uh those 
two of the most difficult games I ever played were probably that and uh, you know Friday the Thirteenth. Friday the Thirteenth is also like fucking impossible. Yeah, you have right. to code genie that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, who's your director for your series? Well, it's funny how you had mentioned him literally earlier, and I was trying not to like make a face. So you're going. What the I, my serious director is actually Quentin Tarantino. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the main reason is because I wanted to show uh, because he's really good at action, obviously. Sure. And I know that he hasn't done a shark movie, but he's he's going to be doing Star Trek. So, fuck it, anything's possible. And now. he can write good dialogue as long as there aren't a lot of women in the scene. <laughs> then then he's fine. He can write dude dialogue fine. Well, and you got. You two or three dudes on a fucking boat most of the time, so you really don't have to worry about it much. And that them getting drunk together on the boat scene. Oh my god! I would love to see Tarantino's version of that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would. So that's what I had in my head <clears throat> were those long takes okay. of dialogue uh, in the midst of this tension. So it breaks the tension, but it kind of doesn't because you know that as soon as that dialogue is done, or anywhere in between that dialogue, the way that he writes it, he builds. He builds great internal conflict during these wonderfully, uh, like curse word filled, you know, fucking rants and tangents. But in there, actually, somehow manages to write really good internal conflict at the same time. Yeah. And when he he gets really good actors to do that, and that's one of my favorite things he does. I mean, he's of course he's a great director in terms of how his shots are, but his writing. I mean, he's uh, his writing is so like in your fucking face, and at the same time, um, personal. Well, like two movies that he didn't even direct are still cult classics. You've got uh, True Romance, yeah, that is incredible, mm-hmm. and Natural Born Killers that yeah. Oliver Stone directed, but he he wrote the script for Natural Born Killers. So, like, yeah, he's and at any given time, right. you can still feel something for the villain. You Absolutely, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're still going, I don't kind of fucking really like what the hell just happened. Yeah. Like, he, I shouldn't be seeing eye to eye with this psychopath, <laughs> yeah, but right. you wrote it too goddamn well. Yeah, exactly. And the dialogue's too good. So that's that's how I had it. And I think the tone that he would set would be, um, he, he's really good at setting that, that relaxed tone and then just bringing a bunch of just mayhem right at the end or right you know what i mean sure so as soon as that long scene's done boom and everything goes to hell in quentin quentin tarantino style i'm super excited to see what you do with a tarantino jaws movie uh it's always <laughs> fun when he gets thrown in the mix here so that, yeah. that's gonna be interesting we're thinking like aldo rain julius and then marvin like sitting on the boat like <laughs> pointing out all their scars <laughs> And Marvin's like, I got shot in the fucking face. <laughs> I got the biggest scar. <laughs> well, I, I almost put, uh, well, I'll go into that later. Yeah. Right. Now, uh, for my, uh, we're going to do Brody to start. Okay. Uh, did you want to share your Brody or? Yep. So you want the serious one first. The serious one. We'll do the funny after we're done with our serious. This is what I'm, I was worried the way you were describing and I did Edward Norton. No. No. That's not mine. But it, I mean, the way you described it was him. But Edward Norton's good. I like that. Yeah. I like that choice a lot. I didn't even consider Edward Norton, but that is actually like. Even look wise, isn't too far off. You know, he's got a, a like sharpish features, kind of yeah, more that, skinnier guy, and you yeah. know, but but you know, a, able to convey and has done action, plenty of action. So sure. you know, you know, he can do it. Uh, and then he, um, but his ability to um, just American history. I mean, I can go down the line, sure. You know, but his ability to put across uh, a lot of emotion. Um, at the, but very little emotion at the same time. Sure. Uh, which is perfect for that stoic sort of character that you need to have. Yeah. So you can see the internal conflict. For my guy, what I was really trying to get was there's 
some actors that have this natural likability that they could be just standing there with their hands in their pocket and you're like, I like that guy. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have that kind of character, but also um, ability to kind of step up when it's needed and take the role of like, I've got to get the shit taken care of. I got to fix this. I got to save people. Mm-hmm. And an actor that has really, really grown from his days as being a TV star and has become this very likable, but not full on action star, even though he's done some action stuff um, in recent years, uh, John Krasinski. Oh, J- Jim Halpert from wow. the office. Oh yeah. I wouldn't even thought about that. Cause he did the, uh, the Jack Ryan series on Amazon. Yeah. And if you haven't had a chance to check that out, I thoroughly suggest checking it out. It's a very good series. Uh, yeah. I, I've only seen, actually, no, I did see the first episode and he was really good in it. Uh, the, the series, it sucked you in, uh, it sucks you. And I think I knocked it out on a Saturday one day, um, because I just couldn't stop watching it. It's, mm. And that's kind of what I was leaning on a little bit, that and also just his ability to really emote fearfully uh, from a quiet place. Right. He did really well by that, and he directed that too. So he, he knows kind of the the technical side of, of filmmaking as well as both and the acting side, which... Oh, I think a, he's got the technical side down. And in a project like this, you it would be very helpful to have actors that kind of know how that works. So Krasinski, I think he's very likable. He's, you know, tall, lanky type. He's from New England. Oh. He's from the area. I, I actually looked that up and was looking at trying to cast a lot of people from the New England area that really could, from experience, embody that kind of attitude, that that waspy and that accent, you know, and the accent so well. naturally with. The... And that's the thing. There's not a lot of that accent in the original Jaws movie. They they kind of speak American standard a lot of the characters. There's a little bit smattered here and there. I'd like to lean a little bit more. Not quite. I think they cared a lot less those days. Not as much as uh, what's his face in Pet Cemetery. There's nothing but dad up there. Yeah, you know, yeah. Not quite. Not quite yeah. that level. Well, he was but... still stuck in the '40s, running from the cops. Yeah, you never right. catch me, coppers. <laughs> yeah. hey, huh? But I, I did want New Englanders, um, not entirely, but at least somewhat, to kind of carry that tone relatively okay. well. Um, I think Krasinski, he could be likable. You're going to root for him, but at the same end, you believe it when he steps up and saves the day. Yeah. You know, you, you're not going to be like, that's horse shit. Right. <laughs> you, you believe that he has the capabilities of doing it. Why don't you go program something? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like a, a action geek, you know, yeah, that's kind exactly. of what I was aiming for. So yeah, uh, Krasinski is, is my choice there. You're the guy in the, you're the guy in the chair. You're not out in the field. Now the next one, Quint, this was probably the hardest casting for me. Yeah. Quint is, especially that story of him talking about the sinking of the Indian- Indianapolis and also him, Talking about getting the shark is like, I'll get you the head, the, the tail, the whole damn thing. That is thing. the only thing I thought about. Yeah, it, you know, and that's, that's honestly what I was focusing on is who's going to be able to deliver something like that with this both casual attitude and also really like not scary, intimidating, but just a presence, you know, has like the balls to like really pull that kind of speech off. And you believe that this is a fucking badass. Yeah. Without it being without flexing or or overacting and over chewing the scenery just real subtle delivery of a badass Mm -hmm. because quint fucking murdered those lines just absolutely just like my favorite parts of the movie oh yeah i mean you can rewind that and watch it over Over and over and over and still not and and not really get bored of it kind of was kind of take something different from it every time if you have the chance um i would suggest going looking up uh uh the his son uh, dressed up as as Quint and doing lines from Jaws, and he's he looks eerily similar to his dad. 
He looks mm. like it's fucking eerie. And I almost thought about like casting him in this, but I wanted to have some more fun choices instead of just like the kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you don't want to have people go who? Yeah. Uh, you don't want to be able to uh, picture it in your mind. But uh, there's there's video of him both uh, like raising money for stuff dressed up as Quint. Are you pulling it up? Um, no, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to play it for you right now. I'll, okay. Maybe after we're done. Oh, it's a video. Video. It's an actual like YouTube video. I'll I'll post that on Smack My Pitch Up when we release the episode as well. So oh, yeah, listeners can check that out as well. I'm excited. I don't think I've seen that. It's really cool. Like it's eerie how much he looks like his dad. I'm mm. I'm excited to show you. But uh, for Quint, I went with an actor that has known how to die in a movie or two. Uh, he's he's kind of known for being the guy that dies in all the movies, and. Definitely has an intimidating presence. Um, it could definitely deliver these lines and put some real like cojones behind him, and not deliver it in this like I give you the hand in the toe, but actually just the casual. Yeah. I lost my hand. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Somebody that could be a casual badass, and that's uh, Sean Bean. Oh yeah, yeah. That is some left field shit. Yeah, but you can see it working, right? I like, can see it working. Yeah, I was just reading something on him earlier today. He, he does a lot of acting work with his eyes. He says a lot with, with the way he uses his eyes in a scene. And oh, yeah. I feel like a character like Quint, there is a lot of that. With, a lot of quiet, quant, uh, quiet contemplation, yes, almost. absolutely. Yeah. That he's not using more words than he needs to. And I think Sean Bean could probably nail that with his facial expressions and his, and his eye work. Damn. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, who do you have for your Quint? Uh, for my serious Quint is Josh Brolin. Okay. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, talk about acting chops. I mean, the dude's got that for sure. And it's not just that, but it was very much like you were talking about its ability to sit there and be, and he's, as far as the character goes, he's just old enough now. Sure. Uh, He can really embody the character, but he can deliver a fucking speech that will, you just make the the hairs on the back of your head, uh, head stand up. Like he... He's really good at that. He's really as oh, the, just him as Thanos being. I am inevitable. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. And it's not you know, it's not even just that. It's it, yeah. Thanos is what did was the forefront of my mind because I just recently seen Endgame. Yeah. Um, maybe thirty fucking times since I bought it. Yeah, right. <laughs> just replaying scenes over and over. Sure. Um, but uh, he's really good at saying a lot without saying a lot. And in that scene, if he was doing that speech, um. Which, you know, in the 90s, obviously, he would have been much older, but he still could have been old enough uh, to pull it off, you know, in terms sure. of. So I think um, yeah, that's that's who I really wanted for the serious one. It's just the way that he he has a real um, seriousness about him and he's tough. Like you, you, you almost look him in the face and go, I, please don't hit me. Yeah, like, just, right. just don't hit me. Uh, yeah. um, but at the same time, like, you know, he demands respect. He demands attention without demanding it at all. Yeah. And I just think that's one of his greatest qualities as an it's actor. That presence. And I, I think that's why, you know, I was kind of looking for that as well as with, with Krasinski is that like loving, you know, you, like adorable kind of attitude about him where you you just immediately like him. Yeah. And Quint has to have that commanding presence of like you, Im- he, you immediately respect this dude. Yeah. You believe what he says. It kind of freaks you out. Yeah. And you like know, you're not, you're not sleep sure with he, your eyes open. Yeah, you're not but sure yeah. if you trust him necessarily, but you yeah. goddamn respect. Is him. he going to slit my no, my throat, in my sleep sort of thing? <laughs> yeah, like, <right. laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I like I like that too. For Hooper, I went a little bit left field as well with this. Now this is an actor that has worked with uh, with Alfonso Cuarón before mm-hmm. on uh, Itu Mama Tambien, and is a fantastic actor that you may have seen um, 
one of the more popular things he's d- done was his role in Rogue One. Uh, Diego Luna, mm-hmm. an incredible actor, and a duplicitous son of a bitch. And I think I to mix <laughs> to mix up just the pasty New England whiteness of <laughs> Jaws, uh, an a scientist that comes into town to research this phenomena you have the opportunity to pull in some non-white bread actor in there that can really add some contrast to the cast and kind of mix it up a little bit and, and yeah. give it a little bit of different tone in, in especially if it's his modern day i mean yeah, and it's actually yeah. modern day so it's not like it's not like 75 where like diego luna shows up and you're like why do we got a brown person here you know it's like this is 2019 <laughs> it's it's like i don't know how how bad martha's vineyard was in the in the 75 but i'm assuming there'd be some people during their head like you just fucking had me snort i've <laughs> snorted since i was <laughs> no i think i think uh especially somebody that is also familiar with the director is is going to kind of know what he's yeah. looking for as well and hooper is a very charismatic character very likable in his own right but also kind of like a little bit of a ladies man kind of tone as well uh, i know that richard dreyfus on the set of jaws was like Oh, he's and a whore. He was whoring out yeah. hard on that set. He was he was Mr. Ladies Man on the set I'm of Pretty Jaws, sure so. he was on Coke during that movie. He probably Because I was. rewatched the scene where they're showing the scars and he does the Indianapolis speech. And he the way he's laughing, I'm just like, dude, you totally did a bump before you fucking built <laughs> this shit. It was seventy five. I'm sure uh, you like know damn well three quarters of the fucking I cast. I can't do this probably. scene unless I get some fucking Coke in my trailer. That was now. probably on his on his like uh craft services table just a big pile of like a, a scarface style <laughs> yeah, pile of cocaine yeah. <laughs> right next to the sandwiches you know yeah, in the shape of a shark yeah right. just to be cute just to be cute but uh yeah so hooper yeah diego luna i think would be a, a better modern choice yeah for the character and i have nothing but respect for the actor i think he'd be able to really be deeply charismatic and but also you would believe him when he goes into the scientific aspect of the things that are happening. Yeah. You know, you're, you're going to think, you know, Oh, this guy knows what he's talking about, which is super important for Hooper's role. You know, since well, he's it's kind of a scientist, it's what he does. That's kind of the thing. Yeah. So, um, it's science, bitch. Who do you have for Hooper? Uh, so I didn't necessarily go from the aesthetic part of it or ethnic. I didn't change sure. so much, but I did do an out of towner, very, very out of towner. I did Martin Freeman. Okay. Uh, cause he, he can play funny, but when he plays serious, uh, and I don't know if you've seen like Sherlock Holmes, sure. um, but he, he has a, a real way of, of shifting from almost com- too comedic to, to like, almost like you'll cry serious. And he's really good at that. He's such an amazing actor. Um, and you know, in, in the original film, <clears throat> similar quality. Uh, but he, Martin Freeman, um, I know that he would come out of town. He would use, he'll have his accent. He's not doing an American thing. You don't need to for that character. You don't need that. No, no, no. but he's coming in there, uh, just, to, just as him approaching that role with his own accent and background from where he comes from. But sure. that's where, you know, Cambridge or whatever the case may be, you know, some fancy Institute, sure. science Institute, and you'd believe it especially when he looks you right in the eye and he'll, you know, he'll, he'll spell out the scientific jargon. Sure. Um, or I guess in this case would be aquatic wildlife jargon. Yeah. That's so that's why I had, I just think he would come in and he would still be that character that would throw that at you. But just like in the original, you'd remember him. Sure. He's because I, I, there's very few movies that I've seen with him that 
I forgot about, or if he was a side character, I wasn't like, oh, fuck, he was a great side character. A little movie he did that's on Netflix right now that's worth a watch. It's a zombie flick called Cargo. Oh, I haven't seen that. Where he's got he's got a stopwatch, and basically it's post-apocalypse, there's zombies and stuff. He, he gets bitten. His, his wife dies. He gets bitten, and he's got a, like a, a newborn child that he has to try to get to safety before he turns. Oh, so fuck. It, he's like, he kind of has an idea of how long it takes to turn, so he's trying to get somewhere to get this kid to safety before he turns into a zombie. So, great fucking premise for a movie. Is it just him it, and well, the baby, or is well, there other characters? Other characters come into play they as well, do, okay. but... It's the watch that it's really good. Sounds awesome. Yeah, I enjoy it immensely. So and oh it's God, called that's Cargo. All I can think about now. <laughs> You're gonna go home. And I'm watch just. It. I'm going home. Bye. Yeah. Fair enough. The next one up on my list is Mayor Vaughn. Now, uh, you you didn't cast one for Mayor Vaughn, right? I didn't. I just didn't see him as a okay. central character in mine. I I wanted somebody that definitely could play like the person that's willing to is thinking more about self-interest than the well-being of the of the population kind mm-hmm. of like slimy but also you could see why people would vote for him very politician-y kind of tone that there is the charisma charisma there but it's almost like the there's definitely some dark shit going on behind that charisma yeah. i think ed harris would be able to nail that really well hmm yeah you're right and he's old enough he's old enough that you don't need a an actor at the, around the same age as these characters. No, this no. could be like an older mayor that. Well, I think from experience, like you know, he's like definitely like I've been doing this sleazy shit a long time. Yeah, no like, shit. Yeah, you can't catch me. And also another thing that was kind of part of the plot in the book is that the mayor, uh, Mayor Vaughn, owed money to the mob. It was this mm. entire subplot in the book, and that's part of the reason why he didn't want to close the beaches and stuff because he was skimming off the top of a lot of stuff when the summer came in. So he. He would be in a lot of trouble if he wasn't able to skim off the top. You know, I'm going to go back and watch the original movie again, and now I'm going to think about shit differently when I'm looking at right? it. Like, yeah. what happened before this scene? What were you doing? Yeah. Hit some some shady shit. Yeah, it was some real shady shit. Like digging in cash registers and shit. <laughs> but yeah, I think Ed Harris, he's got he's got the acting chops. There's, I, It's pretty much, I don't have to go into a whole lot of explanation hmm, on that. It's Ed Harris. Yeah, it's Ed Harris. And then I also have an Ellen Brody. Did you cast a... I had thought about it originally. I just didn't like include it. But then as we were waiting and I was sitting here and I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, I'm going to throw that in anyways. Cause I'd already thought about it. Yeah. So my serious one is Amy Adams. Cause I think okay. that she would do a really good job of being the side chick. I mean, not side chick, <laughs> the side <care>. sidekick. <laughs> yeah. The lowest lane, which she doesn't really have much to do. Sure. Um, in this particular one would still be uh, acting wise, a good um, opposite to Edward Norton. Those two would, would really play off each other yeah, well. Yeah, I think so. I think um, you're right. So that's what I had originally. So that's what it'd be. She would she would probably be, in, in my version, she would probably be more of a, not so much naggy, probably more of the worry wart, but this, almost the smart one, you know, right behind him, just kind of going like, well, you know, this needs to happen this way. And he's like, shut up. And she's just like, it really does. And then later on, he's going, fuck, she's right. Like, she's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of actually a very similar way that I was thinking about the characters. I wanted a strong female actress that could be definitely like I'm smarter than you just listen to me no I'm going to do things my way and then later like fuck you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely able to like be quick-witted with the actor I mean we've got John Krasinski who's a lovable person mm-hmm. and he comes off as intelligent and kind of knows what he's doing and we want somebody that's going to be able to kind of like be his equal on that level uh that is just smart enough not to go out on the ocean and try to fight a giant shark <laughs> so I went with one of my personal crushes, 
that I think would be adorable to see them as a couple in a movie. It's uh, Jay Baruchel in it. It's Jay Baruchel <laughs> as uh, Alan Brody. You're going really contemporary. <laughs> yeah, very contemporary. <laughs> no, I went with uh, Kristen Bell. Oh. Kristen Bell and John Krasinski as a couple in a, in a movie. I think that would be super, super adorable. Actually, I could see that. Yeah. I could really see that. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's actually she's a good actress. Yeah, she is. She is. And she Awesome in the Good Place. She's great in the Good Place. She that's the thing is she's played both comedic and very serious roles yeah. as well, and she's able to nail both. So I uh, I, I think that would be a really fun kind of team up there on on uh, my serious side. That's awesome. And it makes me think of this movie that she did, and I saw it on Netflix called The Lifeguard. Uh where I, exactly what she is. She's a lifeguard at, she's like out of college or something, but she's at a lifeguard. Uh, she's a lifeguard at like the local pool. Sure. And gets into it with like a teenage kid. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a darker movie. Sure. Um, but it just reminded me of that because now I'm just going to think. <laughs> right. If she could play that really well. That's a good choice. So that's our uh, serious takes. That's our serious takes. Now for our funny, we don't have to waste a whole lot of time really getting into detail on the, the funny takes. Uh, no, they take care of themselves. They kind of do. And we're just being funny anyway. So it's not really, don't, don't take this too seriously. But I'm leading off with my director for my funny. I wanted somebody that was actually initially attached to, to the Meg to direct before Turtle Top took it over. And <laughs> Turtle Top. Yeah. And also is from the New England area and uh, is a student of horror films and I'm sure would jump at the chance to remake this but definitely isn't the director that I would want to necessarily attach to and it would be a little more zany than I would like for a real version but I'm going to see what Eli Roth is going to do with the Jaws really uh, yeah really yep really Mr. Hostel god damn it yes so it's going to be gruesome it's going to be real oh, gory it's going to be really gruesome <laughs> yeah. the fucking the shark's going to tie people down to a chair at the bottom of the water and right? drill shit into their kneecaps one like, person's going to get eaten and there's going to be like 200 gallons of blood that pours gonna, out of one human you're going to have the shark like somehow have a fin or a hand and pull his own tooth out and stab it into their leg just to laugh <laughs> <laughs> sadist shark skip it up skip skip so yeah, Eli Roth is uh, is my choice for my funny director. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Real. So you're you're gonna hate mine because okay, but I just think I don't for the funny it works. Uh, Paul W. Anderson, and for those who don't know, what he did he did the Resident Evil movies. Oh God, I hate him so much for that. <laughs> And I couldn't stop laughing when I was thinking about him directing my funny crew. But also, uh, I think cast. he was he directed uh, Event Horizon as well, if I'm not mistaken. Did he? I'm, he I'm might have. That's well, it's it's that's hmm. It's Event Horizon is pretty stylized too, so it makes yeah. It's just it's not only style. Yeah, Paul W. S. Anderson directed oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, Event Horizon as well. Yeah, and they're coming out with a new series. Yes, they are. Yeah. So he has the ability to make good films. <laughs> he does have the, but yeah. And I did like the when first he's, Resident When he's not Evil. doing serial type, you know, we're not yeah. serial, but like. When he's not doing a film with a his video wife game films. Because he's married to uh, Mia. Oh, yeah. Jovovich, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's why all those like scenes in slow motion of her looking sexy while shooting guns. It's because she's married to the director. He wanted everyone to jerk off to her. He basically, yeah. It he, worked. Yeah. I mean. It worked. I got me through some lonely nights. <laughs> <laughs> So you got you got Mr. Resident Evil. I got Mr. Resident Evil. I and mean, I've got Mr. Hostel. I think he had like a flying shark in the last Resident Evil movie. It looked like a flying shark. So Probably. I didn't perfect. Bo- I gave up like four Resident Evil movies ago. I watched them all. Oh, God. 
I didn't like them all, but I watched. I think them all. I was gifted Afterlife. I don't know how I got a hold of it. It's still in the packaging in my collection. <laughs> like I haven't bothered to even unwrap it. It's I've had it for like I don't know, a year or two, and I've just never bothered. You should have been a th- like a sent sent it back with like a thank you note. And be like next year, just punch me in the nuts. <laughs> I should just give it to a friend for a birthday or something. Like because it's so random. Like it's the what seventh Resident Evil movie, and especially if they have no interest in zombie movies. Like here's the seventh installment of the resident evil franchise see i i'm a huge fan of the game uh the the game franchise uh so i, I do enjoy the first one for what it is I do, as well uh and they did a good job with the liquor um and then the final one i actually really enjoyed too okay i thought that was good i actually went into theaters with a friend and saw that oh, i paid money oh gross yeah yeah. Speaking of gross, let's get into our casting here. Oh, yes, yes, yes. For Brody, I wanted a New Englander and nothing better than a Wahlberg. I got Donnie. <laughs> Donnie is uh, playing Brody in my version. You can have the Wahlburgers restaurant in the movie, yep, and that absolutely. could be a, like almost like a sponsor. Absolutely. And uh, this one, for my, my uh, funny, I'm definitely leaning on the whole, like, everybody drinks too much. Everyone's fucking terrible. There is the cheating happening. Like, everybody's just terrible <laughs> so when people get like killed you're like yay you're gonna it's hate, not you're gonna hate mine okay uh, owen wilson <laughs> oh oh hi get out of the water oh, guy, hey guys there's a shark you yeah. might want to get out of the water oh that bitch just got drugged down get out of the water oh no there's a shark <laughs> vince vaughn comes out of nowhere <laughs> just they do a whole thing he does a whole like flip out thing what are you fucking doing there's a fucking yeah, yeah. he just finds out it's vince vaughn in the water yeah so uh, Donnie, and then you got Owen. Yeah. For Quint, I uh, decided to go with a a horror icon that has worked with Eli Roth before when Eli Roth produced 2001 Maniacs, uh, Robert England. He played an old uh, Civil War era, like Southern ghost monster guy. I, yeah. That had a like rebel flag eye patch. I bet he did it awesomely. He though. was great. He was great. He's always great. And I think, yeah, you know, Robert England is fantastic. Uh, he's a class act, and I think he would have a lot of fun in a, like, zany version of Jaws directed by Eli Roth. Bitch, that's really good. <laughs> I'm actually mad at you. Yeah. <laughs> I should be mad at myself. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, mine, because I was thinking Quentin, but on the funny side, I was thinking, I was like, you know what? I really, and plus, uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I rewatched Pulp Fiction. So I, I had my, this guy was on the forefront of my mind. When I was thinking of uh, of um, of Quint was uh, uh, Samuel Jackson because I want to see him give the speech, uh, the Indianapolis okay. speech. Like, okay. just just think about it from uh, uh, Paul W. Anderson directing Samuel Jackson sitting on the boat with a speech like that. So you're going to set that in the seventies then. No. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm not saying so he's going to be a hundred years old, but <laughs> Sam Jackson still looks like he's in his twenties. So he might be able to actually pull it off. Well, you know, and I also wanted some diversity. Yeah. Fair enough. And, and who better to give a badass fucking monologue than Samuel Jackson? Yes. That shark, shark yeah. deserves to die. And I hope it burns in hell. He ripped all my motherfuckers to pieces. <laughs> he's already been eaten by a shark though. He was in deep blue sea. I know. <laughs> You're just making him get eaten by more sharks. I know. He's dealing with snakes on planes. It's awesome. And sharks that jump over fences and shit. He's getting a, he's getting a good paycheck. He don't give a fuck. <laughs> That's true. He's fury. <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. You're going to make it where Sam Jackson's typecast is the, the dude that gets eaten <laughs> by, by sharks. sharks. Hey, it's better to be, at least he's not the first to die in the movie. So the Meg sequel, he'll be in the Meg sequel and uh, yeah. Oh, he, I'm sure he will. Yeah, probably. He's in every movie now. He'll never be an expendable though because he's too good for it. Yeah, you know what? That's true. That is true. 
he still has a career. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hey, and they're they're doing a Rocky seven, eight, nine. Yeah, know. and the Creed movies are fantastic. Oh, they are. All right, so Hooper, I uh, I wanted to go with a a fun zany uh, choice here, and uh, this is somebody that has. I did not realize that Eli Roth directed that movie, The House with the Clock on Its Walls. I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. It's it's a, like a kid's like scary movie thing. No, no, you know what? I have actually. I think I've watched that with my daughter. Okay, uh, it's on Netflix. It, it might be. I think it's on, or it used to be. It is uh, directed by Eli Roth, surprisingly, and it's starring Jack Black. Yes, I have seen it. Yeah. Who the hell let him direct that? <laughs> right? I'm. I, he, I guess he wanted to kind of expand from just creepy horror, but well, I've pretty much forgotten about it. So I don't know how good he did. But. So Hooper as Jack Black. Okay. Um, or Jack Black as Hooper. So he's going to be the like scientist guy, and he can chew as much scenery as he fucking wants. Um, in this, in this, he can is chew he gonna, as much scenery as he can. Is he going to have the coke thing like from Tropic Thunder? <laughs> I want him his to try to do Richard Dreyfus on cocaine as his uh, inspiration <laughs> for the role <laughs> for this for the scene. <laughs> Just think, Richard Dreyfus mad at Bill Murray and what about Bob? But also coke binging and going chasing uh, women. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is. It was the hair and the laugh. I just wanted to laugh with Seth Rogen. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, for funny, you know, just for him to try to spill out the scientific stuff would be funny anyways. But him you know, with Hooper's laugh was actually very high okay, pitched. Like, like <laughs> thinking about the, the scar scene on the boat, we've got uh, Sam Jackson. Yep. Seth Rogen. Yep. And then your Brody was... Uh, uh, my birdie was Owen Wilson. Oh, Owen Wilson. Jesus. <laughs> Talk about the most <laughs> random collection of actors that have probably never been in the same room before. But how many times have things like that worked? True. Or it true. shouldn't work, but it does. And I'm telling you, <laughs> it would work. <laughs> of course, I've got Donnie Wahlberg, Robert England, and Jack Black in the yeah, same room. So. Yeah, I doubt. <laughs> Maybe Jack Black and Donnie Wahlberg has met each other. Yeah, very I possibly. doubt Robert England has, has That's true. met either of them. Yeah. So for Mervon, I've got a Mervon as well. I wanted just a slime ball kind of tone, and I was thinking from the office, uh, his act, his character in the office, but also I mean secretary and tons of other and blacklist. Uh, James Spader as the mayor, oh, especially blacklist. Yeah, blacklist. But yeah, just like real slime ball uh, mayor. And uh, I think in or- an Eli Roth film, Spader would definitely have a ton of fun in that role. He would he would jump around in that role so much. It'd be great. Like early, early, I just keep the early James Spader when he was trying to be serious or 16 like candles real, type. or just after that, when he did Cronenberg's crash where he's like, Oh, oh yeah, oh, 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 that movie, that porn laden. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I didn't. The last person I'd had cast for, for anything was Ellen Birdie. So I had okay. a funny and only because, uh, she, I think she would play really well off of Owen Wilson because she's a very comedic actress and writer and director. Sure. Uh, uh, Elizabeth Banks. You know, I was really kind of spinning around on Elizabeth Banks. She seems like a really good choice for Alan. She's the like, most well-rounded actress I've ever seen. She can play anything like, serious. She can play funny. She's yeah. And just very likable. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's a fantastic choice. I was really considering her for either, either the serious or the funny. I went with a actress that could definitely come off as like kind of shitty. <laughs> like I want this to be like the shitty former socialite wife that kind of hates her husband and gets drunk too much and treats him like trash. <laughs> of course, he's a piece of shit too. So uh-huh. it's not, you know, it's Donnie Wahlberg, you know, <laughs> like them just that you could see them fighting each other. And she was also in the Eli Roth produced series on Netflix, the, uh, with the werewolf dudes or whatever the, uh, what's it called? 
I don't think I've seen that. The werewolf dudes. She was one of the main characters. Is uh, uh, Famke Jensen. Oh, Famke Jensen. Famke Jensen. Yeah, that played the Famke. Famke. <laughs> it's Famke Jensen. Famke. Famke Jensen. Yes. A. A. Ron Jensen. Um, <laughs> yeah, she was the original Jean Grey in the uh, yeah. X Men movies. And oh, been in a bunch of other stuff as well. Natural beauty. Very good actress. Yeah. So I think she would be a. Uh, a good choice here. She she's a good actress. She can also play shitty, like, for sure. So yeah, that's that's what I have for Ellen. So that's our casting. Now uh, we're we're getting here right towards the end. Now we've got some mashup choices. Now the first one uh, that was suggested to us is a uh, Courtney suggested that we mash up, and this is so evil. Uh, this is terrible. The uh, lo- Live action uh, cats musical <laughs> with with Jaws. Uh, apparently, <laughs> probably listened to the Comic Con episode. <laughs> and, um, the only thing I can think is that you just literally make a cats musical version of Jaws, where it's a dog shark, <laughs> and, and and you just do Jaws as a cats musical. That is fucking horrifying. Get Although, you the head, boom, wait, the tail, wait, boom, the whole you, damn thing. Do you put the actors' faces in the in, in the in the, in cats. the shark yeah. in the cats? Yeah, or just like in cats, but do it like in the water with the sharks. Like, uh, like, how the fuck would you do that? Oh, the shark, like the sharks yes. with the faces. Oh I my mean, god, if somebody's got to work that out. It would just. Look I want to like, see Nick Offerman's face. It would look like Jermaine Clement in the cat in <laughs> What We Do in the Shadows. Just, I think it was slightly better than the actual Cats music. <laughs> but yeah, who would play the shark? <laughs> Nick Offerman, Willem Dafoe. Oh, <laughs> Willem he Dafoe. does. He looks like a human shark. He does look like a human. He shark. He totally looks like a human shark. Or you can get uh, what's his face, Channing Tatum. He does have shark eyes already. So <laughs> he does have shark eyes. Yes. Oh God, there's so many. <laughs> I don't. We have. We don't have time. No, we don't. But yeah, I think you just um, imagine just uh, you know, Sean Bean as Quint as a cat. <laughs> that is that's that is horrifying. <laughs> it's horrifying. You know, it's. <laughs> Anything is. Why did they make this movie? This cat's. Let's. I There'd be so many cat puns in it too. It's gonna be so weird and just creepy. Ugh, I don't want to <laughs> think about it. <laughs> just when you thought it was safe to go poo in the water. <laughs> just this when, summer. Just when you thought it was safe to take a shit in the litter box. Well, and there are the shirts uh, that it's like the Jaws logo, but it says "Pause," and there's a cat yeah, coming up. So, I saw, I yeah, I saw that. I saw the picture. So we would be basically doing the uh, the movie "Pause," except we got to make it more fierce and call it "Claws" or something. Claws, claws is yeah. So, uh, yeah, cats is is our one suggestion here. Do you have any mashup ideas? Uh, I, well, I you know I, I came up with the mashup before I did the directors, which is funny because it made me think of what they had done. So I did, um, I didn't do anything really, really that crazy, but I did in my mind, I did resident evil and, and jaws as an actual mashup film where the, where the sharks are actually zombies in the water. Uh, and, and they learn to, to, to somehow get on land, uh, and, and use tools and then find their way into the populated cities oh jesus <laughs> and they mutate from there i i kid you not i literally thought of them coming out of the water like that what was that old 90s tv show uh about the sharks that were like superheroes i don't remember what it was called oh uh sewer sharks or, it, no street sharks street, street sharks street sharks yeah yeah well, they so, go jawsome yeah <laughs> 
that's that's a so uh sewer shark was a sega cd game uh street sharks was the was the was the cartoon cartoon. yeah Yeah. and i picture them coming out of the water and they're like you know and they're figuring it out yeah and then they figure out how to be mobile on land and then they then they start then they start all the sharks are coming up and land on all the all of the continents all over earth that they can reach and then and start invading the uh, populated areas and turning everyone else into zombies that actually work for them. So it's almost like a hive mentality. Oh wow! Okay, so that's that's definitely its own take on this. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I was thinking of uh, a mix-up with like Sphere or the Abyss would be super fun. Mm. Whereas they're trying to like learn about alien life, they also have to deal with a giant fucking great white that's trying to eat them. And he finds out the Great White was sent sent by the uh, by the aliens. By the down aliens. There. <laughs> Fuck you, Ed Harris. <laughs> Here's a shark. Yeah, I love you, wife too, son of a bitch. Or, or Aquaman meets uh, meets Jaws, where it's like the one fish that doesn't listen. Yeah, <laughs> he just slaps him on the nose with his trident. He's like, I didn't know sharks held grudges, and yeah. it's just this shark that's just like, "Fuck you, Aquaman." And by the end of it, they're drinking beer. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, and he flips his hair back in an underwater pub, just like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, Squ- SpongeBob uh, doing uh, fermented kelp shots. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, so we are at the tail end here. All we have left now is our uh, trailers. So it's the scariest part. I know. I hate this part. You're so so good at it. Oh no, I'm not. I'm super not. Have you heard me before? (laughs) I mean, if I've heard me, and there's not really much lower than that. Stuttering jackass. So uh, let me cue up the music. In the early '90s, on the South Carolina coast near Myrtle Beach, there was the zombie shark. (laughs) One day, a shark swimming around the waters bit another human, a bit of human in the water, and they turned into a zombie. And they realized that they could take over the globe. So one day, he rallied all the other sharks around, and they decided that they were going to mobilize on land. And as they came onto the shore, they started fighting everyone around, and all of them, all of the humans, became their slaves. You do know what a trailer is, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> but in a world where sharks create zombies, <laughs> there are there are few people willing to fight against them. Coming out this summer, Samuel Jackson as Quint, Owen Wilson as Martin Brody, the fearless sheriff of the small South Carolina town. <laughs> and the scientist who helps take down the zombie sharks and their zombie minions, Seth Rogen. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Oh, I can't do it. <laughs> and uh, straight to video. <laughs> right. I fucking hate the trailer. I sweat. Wow, I get so nervous. Was... Yeah, I did... I did say that it was a really low bar. I didn't say that there was a non-existent bar. So, I, well, you know what? I'm setting the bar of uh, the the lowest bar possible. That was impressively bad. <laughs> uh, I I'm not really sure what to even do with that. That's that's a whole situation there. <laughs> Listen, every time I've come on and done a trailer, it's been that bad. I think you'd so bad you block out the other ones. <laughs> is that, is that, maybe it's possible. I cannot do. I would be terrible at like voiceovers unless I had an actual script in front of me. See, I 
I don't think I do very good with this at all, but you know, I, I'll work with what I got. Um, <laughs> anything you do will be better. Just at least you can rest your head on that. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, mine, mine were zombie sharks. Zombie <laughs> sharks. Do, 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 yeah. do, do, do. Smile, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see. <laughs> All right, I might as well do mine. I'm going to do my serious uh, just because I found music that kind of works for it. So, well, uh, we'll see how that works. And uh, here we go. From the visionary director that brought you Children of Men, Itumama Tambien, and Gravity, comes a new vision of horror. Just when you thought it was safe to to watch a movie about going back in the water. Jaws. The iconic 1975 Steven Spielberg film breathed new life by the visionary director Alfonso Cuaron. With Brody played by The Office's John Krasinski and the iconic Quint, played by guy that ties a lot, Sean Bean. (laughs) The charismatic Hooper, delivered by Diego Luna, and the slimy Mervong by Ed Harris, this summer. (laughs) Bloody mess, do-do-do-do-do-do. Skip it about. (laughs) Bloody mess do 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 Skip it about Jaws Do 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 Skip it skip it about man <laughs> I don't care that that's an easy joke I don't um, either It's super fun anyway uh, We're not even drinking No like, like no We're totally sober yeah we're fine i just, it, it just maybe i should have said we were drunk <laughs> just to give us an excuse yeah so uh thank you so much for listening to this horse shit on this episode <laughs> i apologize to anybody who had to listen to me no, speak whatever this this was fun it's always nice to kind of look at stuff and see what what if that's what okay if... it's a hollow apology anyways i don't give a fuck yeah exactly <laughs> We do give a fuck, however, about you subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your shows, sharing this with your friends, telling them about Smack My Pitch Up, and also hitting us up on social media or email or our hotline number with ideas for things that you would like us to pitch. So if you have an idea for what you want us to uh, play around with and and play in that sandbox, you know, shoot us a message. Uh, we're, we're super down to do just about whatever. So listen to our previous shows. Tell us what you want to hear in the future and hit us up at geeksundertheinfluence at gmail.com. Our hotline number at 804-505-4484. That's 804-505-4GUI. And you can send texts or voicemails to that number. And uh, also Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have all of those. Um, Easy to look up. Just look up Smack My Pitch Up. Please Uh, no dick pics. And if you uh, take any screenshots of stuff or or you have anything relating to Smack My Pitch Up, the hashtag is Pitch Smacked uh, for Smack My Pitch Up as well. So... If you got fan art, please, please draw some fan art of these stupid like oh, ideas. That would for, be awesome. I would love to see some fan art of this stuff because we come up with the dumbest ideas. Especially on this one. Yeah. Especially this one. Yeah. Please, somebody. Absolutely. So again, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you here next time for another 
weird and wild episode of Smack My Pitch Up. As always, you just got pitch smacked. Do 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 do. Skip it up. GUIPodcast.com. Oh no, there's a shark.